In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World, episode 54. Andrew and Jerry are live. From CPAC 2023 Part Two, Part Two, Gerald's on his phone. How no, are you I doing, buddy? Andrew and Jerry save CPAC. <laughs> you know something that that I guess we could have gone down that road. Sure. Uh, you brought your flask. I do. I have my whiskey with me. Yes. Uh, it's always good. I was I was uh, talking about that a little bit a little bit today. I had to refill it. Uh, we will throw. To, uh, I would hope so. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, actually, I wouldn't hope so. I would hope it would be the same whiskey, but I also know. Uh, you were consuming heavily. We will get into. Oh, our, stop it! I I I okay. take a drink like a like a grown up, yes. like a grown yes. man does. But we had a, a very fun evening last oh, night. We did uh, a great, great fun. And if you weren't there, chances are we talked about you. Um, outside <laughs> of orbit, my, yes, my, my, my of pastor tea. would be upset because we did gossip yesterday. Yes, and and uh, uh, I had an absolutely lovely time, and then I I left you guys. Actually, let me let me start here, Jerry, because you pointed out something to me. I told you a story. Went to dinner, left dinner, went and hung out with our good friends Mary Walter and Michael Coolidge and Michael Coolidge's family. And, and these and, are these are radio all stars. Yes, our well, listeners know. He's on the show yesterday. Yes. They know this. I Michael's no, on my show in the past. We're not we're not doing Johnny Carson here. There's no visuals. You got to you got to you got to explain to people. Okay, we are just not everyone watches the video. So I go back to the hotel bar. I'm sitting with these guys and a buddy of mine who shall remain nameless. Good friend. No, No, I'm not going to name shame him. He is. uh, is, What's the point of this? Because, okay, because you brought this up, Jerry. That's what the point of the story is. I did. I didn't bring this up. Yes. So, so, so I, he was a little overserved. He is very celebratory. He's recently engaged. I don't think he was overserved. Okay. Okay. Because I, you said the bill was 50 bucks. Drinks here. I think, drinks here like $25. All right, all right, I, but I think he. Or drink. I think he had. Oh, he was definitely overserved. I think he had started earlier. I'm not sure where he had started. All I know is that the final tally came. So he comes over and he, he says hi. He brings me over to meet his fiance and he's talking to this lovely couple from. Fiance, uh, from, how the hell was this guy? He, Jerry, I, I mentioned this is his. Well, just tell me, is he 30, 40? No, he is 50. And, 50 and, and, with a fiance? Okay. We talked about this gentleman. Why would people share? We talked about this gentleman at dinner last we night. Did, and yes, we did. I don't remember. See, there you go. So so he, I, I meet this I lovely couple that he's hanging out with from North Carolina. And I go back and say hello. I go back and I sit down with our, our friends. See, there's always radio. a problem. Hanging out, couples, hanging with couples. Yes, hanging with couples. Always a problem. And all of a sudden, um, uh, the, the North Carolina guy comes over, very thick sounds, and goes, hey. Your buddy just left. He just walked out and and and, uh, and and sat out on paying it, paying his bill, and uh, uh, the waitress is really, really, uh, really upset with him about it. So I said, you know something? I know this guy. I have lunch with him quite a bit. I paid his bill. Jerry thinks I got scammed at fifty dollars. All right, but you think here's it was the, the North thing. Carolina guy? Here's the thing. So your buddy, Jerry, if I skipped out on a bill, I forgot to pay my bar bill. You would not pay my bill if some. You're my you? friend. This guy is my friend. He's your friend. Yes, he is. You know how many friends you got? I got lots of friends. See, no, there's some close. No, 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 no. I'm like, I, I have like four friends. No, no, no. yes. Right. Okay. 
in life. Terry's got acquaintances. You're not supposed to have more than a handful of friends, Andrew. All right. Jim is my friend. Really? Oh, shit. I said his name. There and you, you said go. a bad word, too. I know. I so did. That's if, all right. So that if, kind of a morning. If this fella uh, needed to bury a body, you go bury a body? No, I would not go bury a body. Wait a minute. for a second. All right. Now we're going to bring in our guest. Uh, James, before before uh, Superfan James comes on, the James gang right here, yes. let me say this. Number one. Is that how you define a friend? It's only people, only the circle of folks who are going to go bury body with That's you? a friend. I know that is a friend, but again, we're talking about a Venn diagram here. There are friends you will count on He's to bury a body with you, and there are friends who will not bury bodies with you, Those but are never friends. friends. And then there are acquaintances. Anyone who wouldn't bury the body is not a friend. But anyway, let me tell you this first. This guy from North Carolina, the nerve of him. Because how do you know that? Right. Now, this is Jerry's point. This is Jerry's point is how do I know okay. that this guy didn't look at his bill and say, oh, my God, I'm going to pay $50 for a pair of drinks so, for Belvedere Bar. So I don't go pay for some folks left. So, and I think it's I, except he had nerve, the gall of him to come to you. Except the waitress was walking around looking for my buddy. Who I thought would he tell, it off I told the guy from North Carolina, pound sand. I'm not going to do You're, that. It's the spirit of CPAC, oh, Jerry. The spirit of CPAC. The I'm going to hang out. You know what? Here, I'm going to hang out the Belvedere. I'm going to order. I'm, I'm going to order four drinks, drinks and I'm going to walk away. Yesterday afternoon, you know, I went out with a, with a friend, and it is somebody hey, I would give my body for, and he bought me all kinds of appetizers. Friend of yours, by the yes. way. Yes. Uh, did you text him this morning and say you? Only I haven't one? texted him yet. Why not? He's because I've been busy, and I'm going to what text him and say. He's And I've been doing things this morning. I've I've been. You know how busy if you, you get it back? If you jumped a bill on me and you were overserved, the first thing I do in the morning is shoot. No, it might not be the bust, first thing you do. I'll show you something there. Apparently, this guy ain't your friend. Somebody had been very good to me yesterday and uh, and bought uh, uh, drinks right, and all for James, the full we of appetite. Someone if we're gonna talk about someone on the air, he is a friend. We gotta talk. We gotta no, name can't names. Say his name. I can't, I can't tell uh, his name. New, a new podcast, Andrew and Jerry. I'm, I'm, I'm making a wait a minute. Long... So this means we can't talk about our dinner last night. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk. It's not fun for the listeners. Yes, it is. To hear stories and out. we can't tell who they are. Sure, we can. I don't agree. It's fine. It's I don't agree. Free. James, I'm naming names by the way. James, are you having a fun CPAC? Yeah, You're leaning. You gotta lean into the. the Sorry. Board. Yes. Yes. Uh, good. I'm huh? naming James. James Kane. Yes, I named him. Well, I, been, uh, just be clear, I'm not from North Carolina. I wasn't the guy there last night. I appreciate. I <laughs> appreciate that. So, what's been what's been the best hey, thing James, about CPAC? I like so you. I'm fond of you. We're not friends yet. No, we're acquaintances. No. See? Oh, okay. No. Yes. James and I will become good friends. All right, Jerry. Day. If you have lunch with somebody ten times a year, <laughs> so almost once a month for oh twenty years, goodness. is that person a friend? Once a month. Yes. I talk to my friends every day. Okay. All right. I, I don't talk to my mother talk to every day. I talk to my every day. Time out for a second. You have guys that you were friends with in I high school who are still your friends. I talk to them every day. You talk to them every day. Eddie Radich. I talk to him. I know him. Eddie Radich, but you don't have other guys. Payne, Carlos Penna. I'm naming them. You talk to Mike Payne and I Carlos Penna every day? Communication. Text. Texting, yes. You text with them every day? I, uh, I got a text from Carlos earlier today. I'm going to say a bad word, Ma. Uh, and he texted me, dick. Okay. <laughs> The point is all right. If Mary comes back, I'm going to talk to her. We're going to get we're going to get Mary. We my point. So yeah. So I'll name my friend. I Andrew disagree. Luther, Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin O'Rourke, uh, 
Mike Payne, Carlos Jerry. I have Radish. friends that I've been friends with for a long time. David I may not, Walker, I may not talk Walker. to them every day. I may not talk to them for weeks or months, but nevertheless, they're listen, my friend Laura is a prime example of this. Laura is like a sister to me. But that's but that's different. How is that different? Because she's a girl. No, because there's a. The, the, I get that point. Oh my God, Michael Watley, sit your ass down in the chair. I'm fine. Listen, you got it. You got to go to James. I'm sorry, I got to kick you out. James, you come back. Don't worry. All right, Jerry. I'm sorry. We're calling so an audible into the story from the Irish the, the Irish no. dance guy. Yes, Michael Watley. Watley. This is the one he does the dance. I want to introduce this. This is Michael Watley. He's chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party, recently installed and we were as the general counsel of the Republican National Committee. Very nice. my good friend. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I didn't know you were going to be here. It is, uh, you know, you have okay. to make CPAC. Time out. You are going to be the arbiter of this. Last night, I'm at the Belvedere Bar. Oh my I see one of our Ben's brothers there. And I don't I actually don't think I can say his full name on there because it would break the bonds of the Ben's brotherhood. He is he is rather overserved and celebratory. Brings me over allegedly, to meet allegedly. allegedly he was overserved. I don't know if he was. And 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 he walks off. He'd been hanging out with a couple from North Carolina, from Western North Carolina. So deep woods, North Carolina. With a, with a couple from South North from, Carolina. From North Carolina. And so I go back to sit at my table with some folks, and the North Carolina guy comes over and he goes, Hey, your buddy. He just walked out on paying his bill. And well, the waitress is really angry. I know I know this guy, and I know given his condition, I know. And so I reached into my wallet, I and I paid his bill. bill. Was I right to pay his bill? You if did the right thing. You did the right Thank thing. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, here's what I would have done. Payback's a bitch. What I, what, what I would have right? what, <laughs> yeah. what done was I would have said to this, the North Carolina guy, you're sitting with them. You're having drinks with them. You pay the well, bill. It was just happenstance that they were sitting there. I think it was literally a situation where here's, this here's brother who's newly and engaged. We're, we said Michael's time now, but let me tell no, you something real not. quick. No, this if, is if I, if I talk about there and Andrew Langer is there and Andrew Langer has a couple of three drinks and then forgets to pay his bill and the waitress saw us together, came over to me and said, hey, you but I'd pay it. Right. Not even no second. However, if you were sitting with uh, Michael Watley, for a bunch for a while, and then and then and then you left, and then Michael comes over to me and says, "Hey, Andrew didn't pay his bill." I'm like, "Mike, God bless you. You're paying it." Right, but but you know, but Michael would pay the bill if it, right, 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 right. He would turn around. He would turn around. Anyway, Michael, congratulations on on your yes. new installment as general counsel. This is exciting news. First of all, it's funny because I've literally been saying, I used to say that every I used to think the Maryland Republican Party was the most screwed up Republican Party in the country until I looked at every other Maryland Republican Party with very few exceptions. And when I talk about that now, I say one of the few exceptions is the North Carolina Republican Party under your leadership has done great work. Yeah. Talk about what you've done in North Carolina. And then I want to we want to talk about the uh, RNC. Look, if you think about how to win an election, there are three critical elements. Yeah. Number one, candidates campaigns yeah. you have to have a great candidate run a great campaign you cannot win period without it you need to get out the vote you need to protect the ballot yeah you know it is not rocket science yeah. it, it is hard right but it's not Point complicated science. you know and 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 for us in north carolina we've got 100 counties in this last election cycle in the midterms yes eight thousand grassroots volunteers making phone calls and and knocking on doors Five and a half million voter wow. contacts, right? Yeah. My favorite statistic in all of politics, if you have a five-minute conversation with an undecided voter, they are 6% more likely to go vote and vote for your candidate. Wow, there you go. Five and a half million voter contacts, sure. that's a lot of five-minute right. conversations. Absolutely. 
we had 11,000 volunteers that worked on election day as part of our ballot protection team. We had lawyers, we had judges, we had observers, we had workers, and we'd covered 25,000 shifts on election day. Awesome. You, you, you know, it is about pulling the grassroots sure. together, working with the county and the state parties to make sure they're in the right place and they're trained and you can get these. How are you going to be replicating this going into 2024? You know, I will say this. I'm very excited about the role as general counsel, because yeah. one of the things that, that we can do is go to all of our other battleground states yeah. and say, here's the election integrity program that sure. we built in North right. Carolina. You need to have a system that's going to be very similar. You know, we built yeah. it. We built an early vote program. It was the first time we've ever won early voting in you know, the state that, history that, in 2020. So Let's have that conversation Michael around the country. Such a good point yeah. here because you know, post uh, 2022 midterms, you and I on our radio shows on the podcast talked a lot about uh, how uh, Republicans in other states broadly uh, did not engage, did not embrace early voting, and it's a mistake. You know, the, the, the D's are good at it. Uh, if we want to continue to win and build a majority, we're going to have to get, get good at it, too. Yeah. We really do. Right. You know, and and it's not a matter of having to move people from Election Day to early. It's it's about using the early vote right. to be able to get new people to the poll that yes. aren't going to vote on Election Day. Right. And you right. do want to bank your votes. Right. Yes, you know, of course. Weapons, accidents happen. So if you can get them to vote early so much the better, but we're also reaching out to an entirely new audience. The other big thing, North Carolina, 55% of our voters vote before election day. Wow. If we wow. are not talking to them, absolutely, we're not targeting them early, right? and we're saving all of our conversations for election day, half the people vote without us telling them who to vote for. Right. Or telling them about our Offering information, I, yes. I, I, listen, I dare say, at this point in time, you are the most successful of the Ben's brothers. I, I don't think that's overstating this as I sort of go through the, the list here. And so we're very, very proud of you for the work that you're doing. How do you and how have you? One of the great problems that plagues state, and I want to say the Democrats have this problem too, state political party systems is the interpersonal garbage that goes on. How have you as party chair, I don't know, maybe you have, but it seems to me you have been able to transcend that. How have you done that? You know, I, I've, I've worked with, all of our counties. We've yeah. got a hundred counties in North Carolina. I've visited every single county twice. Right. We've done we've done the statewide tour every election cycle. We're going to be back out on the road even this year with it. And and the key is understanding. Yes, we have donors. Yes. Yes, we have grassroots activists. Yes, we have party leaders. We need all three. Yes. And we have to have all three. And I think it's just making sure that you're not pitting the donors versus the right. activists versus the party leaders. You got to get them all on one side, you know, and look, shoot the Democrats. Yes. You don't need to be shooting at each other. You know, I, I'm sorry, Jerry. You gotta, I, no, I, I, no. I, 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 if you were a pastor, I'd be saying, amen. You and because, I, because Republicans have a big problem. I was even saying to Andrew early, I, I, I'm an editor at real clear policy. And so, you know, part of being here is covering. And I go through uh center, right, venues and journals and newspapers and even there's a lot there's there, there are so many pot shots for no reason speaking, like for no good reason speaking of which I, this was brought to my attention this morning i was totally unaware of this are you aware that the never trumpers are doing a conference right now no yeah sure. uh, yeah D down in dc there's a the bulwark is doing some kind of counter programming to cpac which is which is yes james is shaking his head here i mean listen 
part of the problem, and this gets into this, is and actually, I'm going to talk to you about this. You see, the bulwark should come here. Right, I agree wholeheartedly. Have a That's conversation. Exactly what they should have do. an argument. But, but my my point my point is one of the things Jerry and I have been talking about, and again, pushing back to Maryland, were are the folks and were the folks and are the folks who are conservatives, at least nominally conservative. They tell them they tell everybody that they're conservatives, but they won't vote for a candidate or do the work for a candidate or support a candidate because they don't like the guy or the girl or what have you. Are you seeing that more nationwide? I mean, one of the things we talk about is, you know, the folks who say, oh, well, what was the, what was the line that that our that our friends to use the air quotes here were using? Um, I, I won't support uh, him because it's principle over party or, or what? What, or what some nonsense? Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you get beyond that with the folks who are like, well, your guy stood next to this guy and I don't like this guy. And because he supported that guy, I'm not going to support your guy. Yeah. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a binary choice. Right. You're going to vote for a Republican or you're going to vote Amen. for a Democrat, yes. you know, and we've made it very clear in North Carolina that we were running on a family first agenda. We were talking about the issues that North Carolina voters care about, not just Republican voters. Right. Not just, you know, right. unaffiliated voters, even the Democratic voters. Right. I mean, when you're talking about jobs in the economy, when you're talking about public safety, when you're talking about schools and education, it doesn't matter if you're rural right. or urban or suburban. Everybody cares about those issues. 100%. Then. And you just have to communicate with people about the issues that they care about, Under, not the, about the what you want to preach and, and now you just said the second thing, right? So the first thing is engage those early voters. The second thing is, yes, the Democrats have done a horrible job with the economy with uh, myriad issues, health care, et cetera. Uh, but you can't beat something with nothing. And you're right. Our issues on kitchen table uh, topics uh, appeals to everyone. Yeah. Singles, marries, uh, D's, R's, uh, left of center, right of center, those who care about uh, education. It's it's a broad, uh, a broad message. You need to do a better job. Not you, but but broadly we, speaking, absolutely. we need to do a better we job. Do, you know, look, and yeah. in the in the short term, negative politics, negative attacks work, right? Yeah. You can knock somebody down. But in the long term, you have to right. be for something. Right. And I would just prefer that we as a party are going to focus on our families. Yeah, I agree. How are, are, are school board elections in North Carolina partisan? They're nonpartisan. They, they're part of they're a combination. It's okay. on a county by county basis. But we are coming out of this election cycle, got Republican majorities on 57 of our county school boards. There the you most go. We have ever had. Wow. And we got, you know, we're, and I'm excited about yeah. this. You know, I mean, you go back to that election in Virginia in 2021, right. where this became the issue. Yes. Yeah. And we we wanted to make sure in North Carolina that education was a huge part of what we're doing. We actually set up and ran a boot camp, a, a campaign boot camp for our, our county school board candidates all across the state and, and really kind of sat down with them and said, these are the steps that we need you to work with your county parties on to make sure that had, you're out there. Had you been pursuing the idea of running for chair or were you sort of pulled into it? I mean, how did this come about? You would, for those of you who don't know, Mike, Mike is a seasoned DC policy professional uh, uh, doing good work for many, many years. You went back to North Carolina. Um, but did, did you, did you get pulled into this or was this something? I did get pulled into it. You know, we had a certain former resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue sure. who uh, when, when my predecessor stepped down, uh, made, made it clear that, uh, 
I should go talk to my wife and uh, <laughs> nice. going to be running for chair. That's that. That is awesome. Well, listen, Michael Watley, uh, thank you so much. Yeah. We wish you the best of luck. We do in in this. I know we waylaid you as we were walking by. Personally, I appreciate you coming in and saying that I'm right about this situation with our Ben's brother. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we won't let it go. No, I won't. Listen, just like you won't let go of the whole New York City Manhattan versus the city. But, but I love Andrew, but he's wrong about a lot of things. Yes, yes, that's that's <laughs> which which should be a whole podcast title itself. But Michael, listen, awesome. It's so good to see you guys. Good, I, Keep I, up a good I fight. Appreciate God that. bless you, Michael. All right, take so, care. There you go. Do me a favor. Tap Paul Teller on the shoulder for me. Yeah. He'll turn around. Come and sit. Yes. So anyway, so so you know, Michael Watley is a he's a he's gonna okay, Melissa, we'll get to we yes, I do want you to sit down as well. But we're we're okay, we're on we're we're sort of talking talking here. So yes. Yeah, Melissa, this come, is, come in. It's all about CPAC and the craziness yes. and the interviews. Well, and, folks are walking uh, by, Jerry. I just had a former student of mine walk by, and he totally didn't see that we were here. Dr. Paul Teller. Hello, sir. How are you doing? What's doing? So, uh, so nice this to see is, you. it's always good to see you. Uh, God, good, CPAC. Good to here see you here. Another CPAC. Every CPAC is different, and this CPAC is no different. I think my first CPAC was like 1995. Right, okay, like that so I realized, so this should have been my 20th CPAC. Um, but should have been why because I didn't go last year and I didn't go the year before, so, so, so it this is. is really only 18. Oh, 18. Okay, yes, this is this is 18 for because oh, it was 17, oh, baby. I think it was 17 and <laughs> 19. Uh, and, and, uh, so what was your first? I think my first was sometime while I was working for CEI, right? I think it was got it would have been like so, 2002, really. Yeah, so I know I, 2001. I, I know I came down when I was in college at least for one. No, it was never something for me. You came in college. In the nineties, or were you old? Let me see. Yeah, I think it was after. That's it was right. after you, college. You got a compelling. I'm an old guy. See, and then you got. When did you get your PhD? Uh, 1999. Okay, yeah. So you so were already here. And by yeah. the way, Paul Teller. Oh, Paul yeah, Teller, Teller, right, exactly. This guy was just like that. Paul Teller is a longtime DC policy person. He worked for Vice President Pence. Well, he still works for Vice right, President Pence right. now in the Vice President's policy shop. Right. Which is really actually. I, maybe you don't want to talk about this, but I'm going to ask you about it no, anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. So it's I can always try to dodge it. <laughs> because you guys have been very successful in taking along and, and establishing a policy shop that's been doing good work in contrast to the miserable failure that Vice President Joe Biden's policy shop yep. was when he left. And 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 talk about that. Is it because maybe that it is because you guys are interested in substantive work and Joe Biden really yeah. wasn't. Is that, the, is that the key here? I think that's a lot of it. I yeah. mean, also just Mike Pence has always been a creature of the conservative movement. Right. Right. So here we are. A creature just, in the best way. In the best way. Yeah. Um, yeah. A soldier of the conservative movement. Right. I agree, yes. And just, you know, he's doing what he's always done and puts people around him that do those same things. So you will appreciate this because you are a Star Wars aficionado. Yes, sir. So, um, um, you know, there are a lot of folks who want to uh, compare CPAC to the cantina bar scene. <laughs> we, we have heard that. Yes. And to which I say, well, yes, it may have been a freak show, but Han Solo and Chewbacca hang out. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And some of the some of the best uh, collaboration was done. Right, there. Of course, that's absolutely as, as Obi-Wan says, the best pilots are are in here. Talk about the work that you guys are doing, the policy shop that whose yeah, name absolutely. is now I'm having a brain freeze. Talk no, about no, but I'm, yeah. So the name of it is Advancing American Freedom. That's right. You know, it's advancingamericanfreedom.com if your listeners want to go there. And as the name implies, we just try to advance freedom every day. That's good. You know, defending the four years of the Trump Pence administration, pushing back as hard as we can against Biden, Harris, Schumer, Pelosi, Jeffries, the whole <laughs> cast of <laughs> actors, AOC, all of that. 
But then this is what you pointed at, looking to yeah. the future, just trying to build coalitions and messaging to earn conservative wins in the future. Right. You stepped in there and you guys are, I mean, again, it's so it's been almost two years now, which, which yeah, but, but, hard but, to believe. but you guys, Advancing American Freedom, immediately was doing all the right things, which was to turn around and get coalition letters out, get people invested in the process, and putting out good policy papers, working working and playing well with others is, well, is like, the way I'm saying. Absolutely. Like you said, we're trying to do real things. But yes. Perfect example this week, House and Senate just passed this uh, resolution to overturn that Biden woke ESG yes, resolution. Think, that's right. right. That's right. And that was something we took, you know, great leadership role on, had a coalition letter with 100 signers on it and just really pushed it. So it's interesting to me. I'm sorry, Jerry. Go ahead. No. And also, I mean, I, this is a different issue, but the president also just flipped on the on the crime situation. The DC DC. Crime? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. What I love about that, too, is it's it's been a good civics lesson for America, right? <laughs> that yes, D.C. is controlled by the federal government right. and the Constitution. Right? Yes. So. Yes. Let me ask you this. It's funny. This came up this morning. I want to get your sense of this. Mm. So I, 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 I've been fortunate. There's a group of 30 kids from my high school, my very progressive high school in New York here. Nice. Of which oh, they're here. They're here. Oh, they wow. come down every other year. They bring they bring them down. And I told them, you come, you, you got to start coming presidential election years because, you know, it, you're missing out on a huge chunk of this. And it's something that I've been thinking. I had this conversation the other day. Um, you know, there are, I, I'm a hawk. Jerry's a hawk when it comes to Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that has baffled us is the idea of we have, one of the things that props Russia up is the fact that we are not drilling. We are not energy independent anymore. Absolutely. independent yep. anymore. Uh, and we would bankrupt the Russian economy if we would turn on the spigot. To which I, I said, you know, there are a number of folks in our movement who are, shall we say, Ukraine skeptics. Yes. Okay. And I said to somebody today, I said, um, uh, hold on. Hey, James, go grab that gentleman who's walking with the dark hair. No, that guy down there. Never mind. Uh, never, never mind. mind. All right. All right. Forget it, James. Never mind. I'm just going to go grab the wrong person. Um, don't so do don't make James run around. Well, you know, he's there. He loves it. So anyway, this out, by the way, I, I will edit this All out. Right, thank you. So, so the idea is I said to these students today, I made this positive. What if President Biden, and this is also for our folks with skeptics, yeah. I asked somebody else this today. If President Biden came today and says, I need your support on, you know, helping to prop up Ukraine. I know yeah. you're nervous about spending. In order to get your support, I'm going to throw out the global climate change agenda and we're going to turn on the spigot. We're going to start drilling anywhere you want to drill, you can drill. We're going to private drilling. Okay, but it's so good for America too, right? Yeah. But is there certain? Is there a certain percentage of conservatives who wouldn't go along with it? And would oh, Biden buy a book side of it? Would Biden ever do it because he does? Never mind. He doesn't here, want. Sorry, thing, go ahead. Paul answers. I think the Republicans broadly would support that. I yeah. do. Yeah, yes. I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, some outliers. Um, a, a, a Lauren Boebert or or someone like that. Folks who back themselves into a corner. But but I think for the most part, what makes the two parties different is that Republicans, and again, I'm being partisan, but I think it's true. I can be partisan and right at the same time. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Just because you're very right doesn't mean they're not acting. <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Republicans do do care and do put America first. But Paul, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. And it's what's amazing is also how this invasion really would have never have happened if we had had President Trump reelected for a right. second. I mean, does anyone really think that the, Putin would have done this? Well, no, you know, no. I, I, I'm revisiting all kinds of things, but yes, you're absolutely correct. 
the the surrender and withdrawal from Afghanistan, right? Humiliating. And then the pipeline issues and the energy issues. The president, President Biden, made it easy. Yeah. And then we, right. for months and months and months, they're going to invade. We're, we're going to stop them. We have these sanctions. What sanctions? Uh, they invaded, and then we started to. And even now, we're not choking off the Russians the way we no, should. No, no. Yes, this is this, my point. Right? Are we in? Or are we not? Right. Like we're not. We're not conveying strength. We're conveying weakness. And frankly, and about that, even the president's supporters, uh, 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 guys who write for the Atlantic and write for these uh, center center left journals, oh, yeah. are are asking the question. What's the policy? Right, right, and right. What's, yeah, the, what's, what's, the, what's the goal? What's the end game? What's the goal? What, right. what is the goal? What is? I had a very interesting conversation with a professor from uh, a University of Chicago, and and that's the thing. What does victory look like? Right. The problem is that right now neither side wants to give anything up. Not that they, not that there's anything that can be given up. Right. Russia. The, the the end result has to be the protection of Ukrainian sovereignty. Yeah. Now whether no or not question. that means, you know, the Russia has to give back Crimea is a separate issue, but the. You know, the status pro ante, right? Whatever it existed before this invasion, Russia has to get out. And and I think Ukraine could live with that. Um, but they certainly couldn't live with giving up the Donbass in eastern Ukraine. Right, and those right. should they have to. Um and, and it would be great to hear President Biden say that. Right. Right. Exactly. I, this, say, is it. this is what the goal is. We don't want it to look like the Afghanistan and ending. Absolutely. It needs to be better than that. Sure. Thing. We're not hearing that. And Paul Teller, what about again, no one's talking about this, China. Right. Yes, China, China comes in and begins to arm. And they're flirting with that, or right? I mean, they're comes well, right. and says, you know what? Let's have a meeting. Uh, let's bring in the president of Ukraine. Let's bring in uh, Vladimir Putin, and and China will broker a peace. Why? Why haven't we done that? Right. That's exactly. That's exactly it. And the reality is, question. the other part of this, the other part of this is, if you want to make sure that China doesn't intervene in this, you have to cut off the ability of Russia to sell them oil. At you know at hugely reduced you know rates or whatever, Russia can't make money on the deal. Yep, and that way that way we do it. Paul Teller, no, it's terrifying. Regardless, left or right, this is a massive failure of leadership. Yes, it's hard to argue otherwise, right? right. Like who's going to argue? Wow, this has been so this strong leadership from President Biden. Folks on who have been arguing, oh, you know, Biden was so strong oh. going over to Ukraine. Didn't he look? He looked that surprise visit that he made. It's like okay. Well, you know, I, I think a, I think a victory lap was premature. And, 100%. And, and and when he was in Poland, I mean, it sounded like he was declaring a victory that we didn't earn. Yes. Yeah. And so it, that could come back to haunt him. Well, I think a lot of people question, like, um, why is he there? Is it yes. just for exactly. fun? Like, no, what, what, what are we doing? You know, it's the yeah. one year anniversary. Why did he go over there? Yeah. Sort of. Uh, 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 I was going to use a phrase. I'm not going to use that phrase. Paul, I know you you got to run. No, I really appreciate you. Thanks yeah, for having me. Of great, course, great to see you. I'm going to have Melissa Ortiz come and and, we'll, we'll and, and sit in with us. Switch out. All right. Yes, hey, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. All right, and then we'll have uh, Donna Jackson from Project 21. Uh, wait, you want Donna first? Okay, there we go. You just let Donna know they're coming in. I always love talking to Paul. Paul is a huge. Yes, Paul. Thank you. He is a huge Star Trek fan. One of the most. Okay. Star, no, I'm sorry, Star Wars fan. Right, He's a Star Trek fan I as like well. I like Star Wars, but I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a Trek. I know you are. You know, it's funny, Jerry. I, I have my, I have my, my, my Starfleet Command Yeti mug, um, but I, I didn't bring it because I didn't want to lose it. Donna Jackson, she sits down and joins us. I'm Project, Project 21, National right. Center for Public Policy Research. Tell Jerry what Project 21 is. Project 21. Okay, tell our listeners what Project 21 is. Under a rock somewhere? Oh, there we go. Thank you, Judy. Uh, 
It started 25 years ago. Really? Wow. So 20, 25, 21, or 20, whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> sure. The oldest and largest black conservative think tank in the country. Very nice. We are capitalists. We believe in free markets, strong families, and smaller government. What are you, yes. do, what are you doing here? Yes. But what? Donna, you're crazy. So, Donna. So Jerry calls me the other day. Oh boy, I'm Jerry, by the way. That's, yeah. Okay. She well, knows I know it's a process of elimination. You're Jerry. One. Yes. Yes. The smart one. I'm a good looking. There, there you go. I okay. I, I have no problem with that. Um. So Jerry <laughs> calls me the other day. He's very irate. He sees it. I listened to somebody on the radio today. Somebody we know. Again, Jerry doesn't want me to. He doesn't want me to talk about people without mentioning their names. But I'm not going to mention this person's name. And he says, he, he, this is an African-American talk show host. And he says, this guy said something about small business and jobs and minimum wage that small businesses, uh, they don't they don't create jobs. They have a cookie. Yes. Uh, small businesses don't create jobs. I, I want to talk to you about African-American entrepreneurship in America and, and how that is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing sector of entrepreneurship. Talk about that, the work that Project 21 does and the issues of, of, of this. Yeah. The fastest and largest entrepreneurship yes. demographic is African American women. That's right. Okay. No kidding. No, I did not know that. Business. I wish not a woman finished wild stuff. Than any other group. No kidding. Yes. <laughs> right. That's for a while, it was Latino, Latina women. Let, let, yep, yes. For a while, but it's African American, but African American women. For, and the other thing is 96% of all black owned businesses. Are small business right? Of course, the number one creator. Yes, four jobs. Yes. Oh, so at least we have a ding. All right, yes. That's absolutely. That's absolutely. All, all net new job growth in America since the 1970s has been from the startup firm, Jerry, small business, and the entrepreneur. I period. Without knowing that about African American women, Jerry was irate. He goes, "I can't believe this guy said this. I can't believe he said this on the air." Don Jackson, I think that I'm, I'm so happy you're you're here because we need to tell that story. Yes. Because let, let me ask you this or say this and you can respond. If America was really this horrible, no good place. Then why would it be that the leading entrepreneurs are African American, okay, America, America, Jerry's going no, with us. American, I'm saying what Jerry said. I can translate Ameri very easier. Americans of, of, of there is a cognitive disconnect here. That's what he's saying. Americans of African ancestry. I love that. I love that. I like to say yeah. that. Americans of Af African ancestry. It, it are the, the women are the largest entrepreneur group, but yet we're told by CNN, MSNBC, by the New York Times. That America is this horrible, no good, racist place. <laughs> no, they have to say that because you know what do they know? But listen to this: if America was such a racist uh, place, right, and somewhere that people didn't get the a opportunity to start, it's not Europeans crossing the border illegally. Right, that's exactly <laughs> it. There you go. Okay. Do you want to get controversial with Donna and talk oh, about your thesis from last week? Because I, I think she'd be a good person to ask I can ask her another question. Jerry had a brilliant insight last week. I want to ask her another question because what I've noticed, I don't know the numbers, but there are growing numbers of West Africans coming to America. Uh, people from Cameroon, people from Togo. 
And yeah, and, and, and you're right. Why would you leave your home country to come here to start a business to raise a family if this was not a good place to start a business and raise a family? Start a business. And if you look at the immigrants of African descent or minority descent that come to this country, they actually exceed the wealth of white Americans. Right. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So the, the thesis of the 1619 Project is that America's wealth is based upon the slave trade, that the only reason why we are the powerful nation that we are is because of the slave trade. And Jerry says, but wait a minute, there were all of these nations in, in Central and South America, the Caribbean, I think we can set aside for a moment, but especially in South America, that these were slaveholding nations and they've never come close to having the wealth and might of America. And so then, maybe just but, maybe there's something, let me throw something this, else. Let me just, Please. Uh, so uh, Jerry's going to disagree with himself. No, 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 no. So of, of of the slave trade, only about four percent of uh, of those uh, of enslaved peoples came to America. Ninety six percent went to the Caribbean, South South America, Central America. So the thesis is, if America's wealth is due solely because of the slave uh, impact. Well, then why isn't Brazil, Argentina, why isn't uh, Central America, why isn't the Caribbean, uh, why are these nations uh, the, the, the wealthiest in the world? They 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 had 96% of, of the slave trade. Listen, this is, this is, this is uh, individuals who want to get white people. Right, of course, <laughs> yes. They're having a massive wealth transfer. Black slave owners in the United States yes. of America were black slave owners who sued so that they can have their slaves permanently. Did I decided no. as a slave. Wow. Um, and if we're sitting there talking about slaves and the ills of slavery, let's go back to it wasn't Europeans chasing slaves through the well, it's, it's, again it, it, African kingdoms would would, would, kingdoms would sell would do but also another thing too is Donna that, that, that I think we should focus on with intermarriage and with with generations I could do it. What is it? 23, 23 and me. I mean, who don't not, do it, who, Jerry. Don't do it. The point is, is that in America today, everyone's a little bit of everything. Exactly. And we, we're so focused on what separate us. We should be focused on the things uh, that, that unite us. 100%. And, and in America, it's ideas. It's it faith. It's ideas. It's, you know, I mean, uh, uh, it, it, the things I always point out is the fact that 40% of the white Americans that are here today weren't here during slavery. So they don't right. trans their, they can't transfer back to sure. slave time. Sure. So My ancestors. So, so coming, out of, coming out of, you know, so I'm going to use, I'm, I'm sorry, Geraldine, I'm going to, coming out of, you know, shitholes of Central Europe, right? Right. Um, you know, you know, yeah, we talk about, anyway, what President Trump had to say, that somehow, somehow I'm responsible. I think this, anyway, it gets ridiculous. Go ahead. So. This. The other thing I point out, especially with minorities, is this. If you look at the Sam Waltons, Henry Ford, they all made their wealth in their lifetime. Right. 
no excuse for not taking advantage of all the opportunities this country sure. has. To sure. Offer. Yes. But if you want to make an excuse for why you don't do anything, then you sit still and you don't do anything. But when you look at the immigrants that are coming to this country legally, whose skin is black and brown, sure. all of them actually exceed. They have higher education rates. They have higher uh, uh, business ownership. Sure. They have high, their their families are intact. We cannot sit down and make excuses. Sure. It's the socialist part of the liberals yes. that sit there and tell you don't do anything, don't be productive so that you can sit down and have cause conflict in this country. Sure. And and, and does and that leads to and that leads to folks who are sitting down and doing nothing. It leads to them being pawns. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Just political playthings. One of the things that I always say is you want to build the government, you do it from poor in the war. Yeah. Yes. And that's what sure. they, they they create a permanent underclass, government dependent class, yeah. so that they can build bigger governments. The goal of the if you look at the Department of Health and Human Services, oh yes, supposed to service poor individuals. They don't they actually look they base their merit and achievement on how many people they serve not how many right, people right. they get off right. the poverty no you're right right that's exactly right that's exactly right and what we have to do is when you tell people that somebody owes you something then you never the idea that we measure the success of the school lunch program and how many kids are getting school lunch is insane yes because it's not just the government public sector right uh you have uh, uh, and again i love big pharma i love i love the miracle medicines and, and such but you have pharma will judge success on how many how many folks we've signed up for for s for for s chip or for this program or that program right. and i get it programs are there to help and and and, and safety nets are important but we shouldn't be judging success by who's coming Absolutely. on. But we should be right. like, like in the nineties, Newkinner said this recently. He said in the nineties, because of tax breaks, because of, uh, of four years in a row of balanced budget, hundred percent millions of Americans came off the welfare right. rolls right. to private sector, uh, small business jobs. That's the sign of success. And, and yes. And, and the left turns it around and says, well, they're no longer serving. It was six million people before. It's four million people now. It's two million people that the Republicans have shut out of. Yes. I mean, yes. That's right. That's right. Giving freedom. Lifestyle. Donna, listen, we so appreciate you coming on. You've got you've got the all sorts of good things happening with the project. How do folks find out about Project 21? <laughs> nationalcenter.org we put yes. a blueprint for a better deal for black Excellent. america look at it we we talk it's, common it's, sense recommendations that's fantastic thank you so very, very much for joining us today as always always thanks Anna. god bless you yeah so i will bring we'll bring melissa in in a, in, in a second here tell her we're happy to talk to her um so yeah i mean jerry this is it's so it's always good to talk to to experts like donna about this yeah go ahead and sit all right wait a minute mary Mary, right. hold on, hold, hold on. Wait, what? Just give me one second. Um, no, no, it's very good. No, Mary's very suggestive. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, please. Okay, I just, I'm just here for the cookies. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's always good. No, and yes, I, I pulled out chocolate chip cookies. cookies out. Yeah, Jerry, hold on for a second. I have a case of oranges in my in my my gear box here. Let's see. <laughs> 
He's eating them yesterday. He's eating them yesterday. And I'm squirting them. No, I'm not spraying them. Squirting them. Oh, I might have to get sick. We had dinner last night. We had dinner last night. I didn't like the garlic. I know, I wasn't invited. Hey, but hey, bread. But on the other hand, Jerry, Mary loved, loved, loved the cotton candy from last night. Yes, there you go. Thank you. He brought me cotton candy because he texted me as I were having the cotton candy. I'm like, oh, bring me some. Yes. And he brought me cotton candy. It was very thoughtful. So, so thank you so much, and I'll get out of your way. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate thank it. You. We're going to be joined by uh, uh, Melissa Ortiz here. Uh, so, so thank you so very much, Mary Walter, joining us today. <laughs> Ortiz. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Got it. That's all right, Melissa. You got to lean in, lean into the mic. Melissa Ortiz with with who? The National National Center, Center for Public Policy, Policy Research. Research. The, Able, the Able Americans Project. And and I heard about this at that that wonderful event that uh, uh, David put together a few months ago. This is a recent project. Well, how recent is this project for them? I actually and for you. Well, I actually started Able Americans That's in right. 2011 in response to Obamacare, in response to the left leaning policy on disability. I, we have to take back the narrative that people are best at making their own decisions and not the right. government. Of yes. course. So I did Able Americans, then I went with the Trump Organization, had to shut Able Americans down, and after battling breast cancer for two, cancer for two That's years, right. I was trying to figure out, okay, what's coming next? So the God of the universe and I had a bit of a set to, and <laughs> I said, all right, God, if you want me to do Able Americans, here's what I'm putting out. I want there to be, you know, I want to be able to do the keynote speaking and motivational speaking that sure. I'd love to do, but I want a think tank to buy able Americans so that I don't have to worry about fundraising in an office and all those right, things. Of course. Then Paul Teller, everything's always Paul Teller. Everything's Paul. always Paul Teller. We just had Paul Teller. Oh, you know. I know. So um, I rudely interrupted their conversation. That's okay. the oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yes. He's my brother from another mother, so he can pretty much talk <laughs> to me go. whenever. So. Then he introduced me to David Ridenour at National Center for Public Policy. Yes. And we both went to lunch kicking and screaming. And I thought it was going to be a 45-minute courtesy lunch. Okay. And I didn't know until after David hired me that he went to lunch kicking and screaming too, just to shut Paul up. Sure, of course. <laughs> so we discovered very quickly that this was meant to be in a 45-minute policy, a 45-minute courtesy lunch turned into a three-hour policy wow. meeting. And all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, they're buying Able Americans from there me, and is. I'm going to work for National Center. And, and we'll talk about this because we've just been talking with Donna Jackson about yes. the cycle of dependency and how the left wants to get people into that cycle of dependency. The same thing with people with disabilities. That's, that's the, exactly the conversation you and I had at that event. And I think you also talked about this. Yes. Talk about that with regards to uh, uh, disabled Americans, differently able Americans. People with disabilities have been led to believe that they can't care for themselves without government intervention and right. government support. That's just simply not true. Yes, they, you know, Medicaid is necessary for some people who are so medically involved that they can't get insurance sure, right. and get it or get everything they need anywhere else. So people with disabilities want to work. There are 61 million Americans with disabilities. Of them, 75% are either underemployed or unemployed. Okay. And right. if the government would get out of the way, they're underemployed or unemployed. And some of those people have master's degrees and PhDs, sure, but is... they've been told that if they go to work, they'll lose their Medicare. This Medicaid. Is the key. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. But it's not true. If you will pay your own premium out of pocket, you can keep your Medicare or Medicaid for the rest of your life. You don't have to be on government on government sure, subsidies sure. To, to do that. And so nobody tells you that. Here's case in point. I was on Medicare and government and on SSI when we moved from New York City to D.C. for my husband to go to graduate school. Yeah. 
I walked in the office. I and I knew I was planning to go back to work when I was healthy enough to do so. Yeah. But I go in the I go in the office and I say, "Hi, I'm Melissa Ortiz. Just moved here from D, from New York City. Wanted to let you know about my address change, etc. I'm planning to go back to work, but I need you do not have a New support. York accent, by the way. I know that I'm a Southern girl, born in Atlanta, raised outside of Nashville, okay. married a Yankee in 2002, and got kidnapped. <laughs> I I'm a Yankee. Ah, okay, so he's born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. And I'm sure he calls Manhattan the city, by the way. Those are the outer boroughs. I'm from the Bronx. Right, right. right. Okay, we're in the boroughs. Uh, I'm from the Bronx. Okay, yeah. The Bronx. The Bronx. Now, I know you're telling a story, but I have to say this. So my uh, my mom's oldest sister, my Aunt Bibi, um, Catholic, Irish Catholic girl from the Bronx, married a uh, young man from Atlanta. Awesome. And she was kidnapped. And so uh, was a train. and, uh, and, lived, they in, and lived in and, and raised her family okay. in, in, in Georgia. I'm so sorry. you get to D.C., yeah. you're telling them you want to go back to work. And what do they say to you? Why would you want to do that when the government will take care of you? Oh, my God. I had to excuse myself quickly from the office because right. I was afraid I was either going to be wearing stripes or orange <laughs> very quickly. I that happen. And no. She just acted like I said, because I want to take care of myself. There's something very validating about getting a paycheck. And she just didn't quite know what to do with me. And she goes, I think it's white privilege. No Wait, She did not say that to you. Oh, my God. She did. And I said, no, it's Melissa wants to take care of Melissa. And I said, remember, a government big enough to give you everything you need. Big enough to take everything. Exactly. Right. Not just that, but any government anytime the government gives you something they can tell you what to do with it yes what absolutely Chris. yeah very this, insulting this lord knows i can't i can imagine why you would this you would person, think you you were going to get angry enough to get you to get arrested i can't imagine why that is exactly Chris, they, to, 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 to think anyone would know your spirit your mind who you are i i have five kids i tell my kids all the time you have to know your own mind yes you have to know who you are and then once you know who you are, right, then your relationship with God uh, can grow. And then also the things you're working at, uh, public policy or engagement in the community. You can't offer yourself up if you don't know who you are. Exactly. Yeah. I know exactly who I am. And, and she's pulling out paper. Yeah, that's my latest op-ed in the American oh, thing. Well, you got to give it to Jerry. He's the editor of Real yeah. Clear Policy. Oh, okay, cool. So I... I'll, I'll post this today. Okay, that, that would be great. Later today. So my latest op-ed, I have two op-eds that recently came out. The latest one is about my experience flying home from Nash- the Center for National Policies okay. meeting in Miami. I flew home and I had to actually change my flight because even though I planned well in advance, there were no wheelchair accessible cabs available. And my chair doesn't come apart. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so sure. Park. Finally, I get to the airport, uh, a very nice TSA agent helps me through security because I told her, I said, I am in the God's own hurry to get to the gate. Of course. And I get to the gate and they've given away my, my ADA compliant bulkhead seat to somebody who really didn't need it. And they put me three rows behind and I have spina Uh, bifida occulta with hydrocephalus. Okay. And I've had a sciatic injury. So it's really painful for me to sit with my legs folded up. Yeah, sure. And my legs were practically under my nose. My knees were practically under my nose. And I have to sit close to the front of the plane because I can't walk very well. Yeah. And I need to be close to a bathroom. The first class flight attendant would not allow me to use the bathroom in the front of the plane. Oh, boy. And when I oh, got to God. go, and I was watching because the pilot 
got out of the cockpit to go to the bathroom. So I was watching for the cockpit door to close. I jumped up as soon as the door was closed and I headed to the bathroom because I was desperate. Sure, of course. He flung a full drink cart at me to sit down, to make me no. sit down. Yes. The pilot. No, no the, the, the oh, flight yeah, attendant. A nasty first class flight attendant. He said, I, I said, I need to go to the bathroom. Y'all are funny. Um, I wish y'all could see the looks they're passing back and forth. And oh yes, no, there's video. It's all right, it's stick and lipstick and mascara. But I did. Yeah, sorry, really. That's okay. The whole thing. They so the cart's in front of you. No, he shoves it at me so that I have to jump out of the way, and I end up sitting in somebody's lap. All right. And I go to my my seat, and he comes up and he's over my head. And I have complex PTSD and my service dog recently had to retire. Oh, yeah. So she's not there to help me stay calm. And he starts slinging his hands at me and screaming at me about that I have violated the FAA regulations by being out of my seat to go to the oh bathroom. Oh, my God. Oh. And he starts yelling at me. And I folded my hands in my lap and I said, I'm not even going to make eye contact with you unless you lower your voice and speak to me in a respectful tone. Of course. Tone. And oh, my God. went away. And he said, the pilot was out of the cockpit. I said, no, he wasn't. Your back was to the cockpit door. I yeah. waited till I saw that door shut to sure. jump up to go to the bathroom. He goes, well, that bathroom is for first, first class passengers only. I said, no, that bathroom. I said, I need to be to use that bathroom because I can only walk so sure. far. He goes, I don't give a damn about your supposed disability. Supposed wow. disability. You show up in a wheelchair, right? You, have, you, you had originally booked an ADA compliance seat. Supposed disability. I mean, that that may be the most insulting well, aspect of, of, of the whole thing. To take away from this this story, and that is, we're told that all these rules and regulations and these uh, must comply this and must must comply right, right, there. Right. It's for compassion. It's, but then, but in the reality of it, there, it's, there, there's no compassion. There's no Absolutely. less less no. Point, out. No. And, and and again, that to me that goes to show that a lot of these regulations and a lot of these um, uh, rules actually make us less, less compassionate. 100%. American Aircraft Carriers Act is the one that actually governs besides the ADA flights. Okay. What I was so gratified by is he was like, the TSA is waiting to arrest you in D.C. because you got Jesus it. And I was like, Christ. or no, the FAA, the yeah. air marshals. I was like, I, I, whoever it is. Are you praying over there? Yes, I am. Don't I take am the right. Lord's name in vain. All right. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. It's it's <laughs> no, that was kind of what I was like. Lord Jesus help me. There you go. That's the spirit of which I said that, Gerald. Oh, right, right. I get off the plane finally, and because they brought the air, they took my wheelchair to the gate instead of bringing it to the plane, wow. the door of the plane, which is what they're supposed to do. They took it, oh God, took it to baggage claim, not even the gate, baggage wow. claim. My husband sees my wheelchair show up without me in it, and he is a native New Yorker, and yes. he's ready to kill burn, somebody. Burn that place down. Burn yes. the place down. That's... My love is in danger somewhere. Yeah. I get off the plane expecting to be arrested, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, be very calm Please. about the whole thing. Yeah. It was only an American Airlines manager. Oh, I didn't mean to say that name of the uh, name right. of the airplane all out right. loud. Yes. I'm like when, when you say that, you just mean generally. An airline that happens to be in the United States of America. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so there we are. And the Small manager end. says, well, tell me what happened. Okay. And so I did. And 
he heard me out and he said that completely opposite of what the flight attendant said. I said, I know that his back was to the cockpit door. He couldn't see. Yeah. He said, oh, that's interesting because he told me that he told you to sit down. I said, I couldn't hear him. I was too far away. I don't always because of hydrocephalus. I don't always hear well. Sure. Unbeknownst to me, there was a group traveling in first class who had witnessed the whole thing. And they approached us and they said, sir, may we interrupt your conversation? We would like to tell you what we saw happen. And I just started to there cry you go. because uh, they, they waited for me and they stood yeah. up for me. There they didn't you have go. to do that. Right. Yeah. They didn't have to do that. That's com- that is true compassion. Well, I'm glad the story yes. is that way. Oh, me did too. your husband get to hit somebody? No, no. Just a wall on the way out of the door. Right. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, I would have, uh, I, I would have been upset as well. Yes. It's just one thing, but. I also read another op-ed, and I'll get a copy for you. It was in the Washington Times. On I'll how, find it. I'll find okay, it. And we'll doctors, post it up. How healers are becoming kill- killers once again. Oh, sure. my the way they were in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Medical aid and dying. Do we have time to talk about that, or do we have another I, interview? I, I think, yeah, we're going to have to. Although, although this, fast, but this, is, quickly, yeah. this is a very serious problem. And uh, I also am the editor at Ripper Health. And I'm seeing more of it. And uh, folks aren't waking up to it. Yes, yes. And it's very dangerous. Again, this idea that doctors will make these kind of decisions, it's not worth your life, not worth it. Exactly. Yes. Because and I'm suffering. This is, this is, yes. It's very dangerous. And other countries, you want to see the future. Look at Canada. Right. Look at the UK. Right. I'm, I'm getting desperate phone calls from friends in Canada going, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah, this is a top. You know what we'll do? We'll have you back on. But also... Um, I'm going to post that article and this article up at Real Clear Health and Real Clear Policy. I'd love that. And then, uh, and do, do we have your contact information? Um, it, it may be on here. We'll get it. But you can get it from Judy Kent, Jerry. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll have it. Yeah. Also, can I'll pull out everything else I've gotten? Just leave it for you. Perfect. And we'll talk. Melissa yes. Ortiz, thank you so very much as always. Oh, man. Andy Langer was one of the first people I met in D.C. I appreciate that. Yes, Jerry will become your, your will become your favorite. Yes, I think I'm this is awesome. uh, this is a uh, yeah. Yes, I know. It's so, so happy you just bomb. Um, God bless you. Thank you, Melissa. You take care. All right. Listen, perfect for Jerry's Sunday yes. show. I, I do. I I'm gonna get in touch with you. I have a Sunday show. W B A L. I'll get in touch with Judy and and, uh, yes. and and have you on. Yes, and I'll pull out that other stuff. I'll hand it. I'll leave it on the chair <laughs> while you're interviewing somebody else. I appreciate it, Melissa. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, as we sort of as we as we wait as we wait here. Compelling. I I don't I don't know quite yet, but we're we're waiting. We we want to enter the chair because we may be getting joined by Mercy Schlapp. Uh, I want to make sure we grab her. Well, let she, me ask James fine. questions because he's been standing sit, sit, there. Sit. So James Kane, our 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 super fan. P one. P one of P ones. P one of P ones. P one of P ones. How did you find out about our podcast? How did I find out about your podcast? Well, I've 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 been listening to you both for a while. Um, but uh, back back to the WBAL day. Okay. Well, I'm still there, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. Sunday mornings. It's Sunday. It's Jerry. (laughs) If it's Sunday, it's Jerry. Yes. And and James, you know, it's interesting because I want to come back to this issue because. When I posited Jerry's theory about slavery and the relationship with slavery and economics, you're the one who, of course, pointed out, well, we really can't right. count your, we can't count Caribbean economies because they're, 
they're tiny little island nations, but but still, you felt the thesis was correct. Uh, well, well, uh, uh, generally correct. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Gen- generally correct in it. Generally correct in the sense that the United States is not wealthy today because of slavery, mainly because of slavery. Sure, I mean, right. I mean, but the, ob- he's trying to be really careful here. It's okay. Right, I appreciate right, your but good but Obviously, but- contributed, but it's contributed to countless other countries, including Western Europe, including right. much of uh, Central and South America. Not so right. much Southern South America, but okay, uh, but, good point. But Central and Southern um, uh, uh, America, absolutely. But but. but and actually, though, though I it's uh, the bottom the, the bottom line though, James, is that the the very premise, the sixteen nineteen project on which it's built, is wrong. Agreed. Yes, and that's Agreed. that that's my point. And that's just what I mean. Look, I, I, I we talked about on my on my Sunday show that there were slaves in the Americas a hundred years before sixteen nineteen. Exactly. Yeah. So this even even the date sixteen nineteen. Is arbitrary, right? Well, well, see, 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 see. The thing, the thing that's uh, the thing that I, I, coming up, um, I'm, I'm in my late thirties, and so coming up, up in the age of, of where, where wokeness is just sort of coming into play, but where, where we had the idea of we have to combat Eurocentrism and take more of a Geocentric worldview, right? I kind of feel like that's all been turned on the head with this wokeness craze because 1619 is a very U.S. centric date. Sure. Yes. That, 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 that's that, a good point. And that's and that's being that's been one of the astute criticisms of of just just how we approach history and their and their right. understanding. You make it Americano centric, but only if the Americano centric nature of it is is a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah, but if right. we're gonna if we don't want to, we don't want to be Americano centric, we shouldn't be Americano centric. Exactly. So, All right, James. Before James, we God let bless you, yeah, we, we appreciate that. Thank you so very much for for joining us. Listen, he's. He's hanging out hey, here but today. Do your Twitters and do the, all the things that you do. Yes, we great, greatly, greatly appreciate you, James. Uh, uh, boy. So, so let me. So I want as we to pause say, this, we're waiting for our next guest. I want to say this to you earlier about yes uh, about CPAC and how it's being covered. Okay. And so and so this morning when I was editing and 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 curating for Real Clear Policy, I noticed that mediaites. CNN, okay. CNN, right? Jimmy Kimmel and others are using this as just like your, your buddy with the kick me sign. Right. Absolutely. That's why and, I bring up Jimmy Kimmel. And what I don't like about that is, is that, again, the hubris, the arrogance, there's a place for all of these events. Yes. And I don't understand. And it's not just from the it's not just from, it's not just from the center left. There are a lot of a lot of people on the right who used to be here. Uh, your friend Michael Steele, yes, was up on uh, whatever channel he's on MSNBC. And he was making fun and and putting down CPAP. Well, right, and you know he yeah, used to he used yeah. to broadcast from here. But, but well, he used to broadcast from here. But let's also remember, right? And this gets into the petty personal politics stuff. And I was offended when it happened. You know, somebody um, um, that, you know, at, at some point during one of the CPAC dinners, uh, somebody made some nasty remarks about Michael and so about Michael's tutelage. Former guests. Yes. Uh, about Michael being at, uh, at Michael being at, at uh, Michael just uh, about his RNC chairmanship. Can you sit? 
Um, and, and, and so Michael's got a personal beef with, with CPAC and he wants to revisit oh, it. Give me a break. No, no, no. He, he does. We got a rock star. We got a rock here. star here. His name is Tony Schaefer, the London center for public policy. And you, what's the other, the, uh, the other projects? Oh, project Sentinel. I thought you're talking yes. about, uh, uh, like, uh, Rolling Stones guy or something. You know, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yes. One of our best podcasts. Uh, well, a couple, you've been a, a guest a couple of times. Yes. We get such good feedback. Thank you. From. And from your from your your appearance and now well, i enjoy our time together i mean it's fun to see each other right, too. Right. i mean and, and obviously we something that you've got yeah. media you're doing on newsmax you're you're launching your own show right and, you know pr promote those so uh, obviously i work for newsmax as a contributor which is just you know fun uh when they call you and you're in the hot tub and you got three minutes to get on air you know yeah, you got to do it you know it's just yes. like okay i got to get up and i get out of here yes. and then i have a, a radio show on the america out loud network called the hard truth the hard truth and then Tony obviously Schaefer. we just did something uh with uh adam baldwin the good baldwin nice. yes of course other animal from uh from full metal jacket you know it's funny uh hbo is playing my bodyguard this month and so i why that was that was one of his very first movies yeah i, I watched that the other day yeah, my bodyguard. Remember that? I love that movie. Yes, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's on HBO this month, and I know you have HBO Max, so you can you can watch movie. it instead of Game of Thrones, which you don't watch. Watch my bodyguard. Well, because sorry, you know, I, I have a house full of girls, and I don't want to be watching a TV and my show. My bodyguard is and there's uh, there's and there's you know there's nudity. I know. Yes. <laughs> well, gratuitous nudity. That's why. Um, they have that new Scooby show, which is woke and new. Oh, oh my God. It's supposed to be for kids. Are you kidding me? What I love about that. And again, no, I normally, I don't take glee in these kinds of things. Yeah. And other people's misery. But the fact that the left hates that show oh. as much as the right does, there's a certain degree of justice in it. I mean, you guys have worked on this stuff. The concept of going woke and going broke. Right. Talk, talk a little bit about that. So, you know, so many of the media outlets. Well, let me just give you a story. Please. Um, I did a series called Chain of Command. I'm a producer on it, advising director, advising producer. And uh, it was produced by Nat Geo while it was owned by Fox News. Okay. Uh, information I have indicates it, it did very well in ratings to the point that it outperformed ratings-wise, which means yep. it's a viable product. Of course. We were greenlit for season two. And guess who bought Nat Geo? Who did Disney. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, See, there you go. And then uh, I guess a successful a uh, property in the form of a series which was actually renewed didn't pass muster because wow. it wasn't woke yeah it was wow. all pro-military showed the pentagon in the best possible light during the trump years right yeah actually showed that it showed demonstrated joe dunford fighting joe dunford chairman of the joint chiefs sure establishing oh, a plan wow. to go beat isis amazing imagine wow. that and that was that was not what, what disney wanted one thing we talk about on the program often and when I talk about on the radio, my radio show often is, and you could disagree, but I think the greatest threat uh, to to American sovereignty, to our economy, to to uh, to the next generation, is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes, yes. Uh, we see it in academia. I, I said something to Andrew the other day. Uh, the military has not met its quotas. Right. Uh, in terms of. <laughs> Thank the you, man. Peanut gallery chimes yes, in. Yes, uh, they haven't met their quotas. Uh, uh, there, there, there are recruitment uh, uh, problems. Right. So the academies can't fill the seats. That's correct. Yep. And I'm wondering, and this has accelerated over the last <laughs> several years. Yeah. And I'm wondering, and I wondered out loud with Andrew, is this because we've spent the last what two years uh, going into? 
going in. Yeah, well, good. You you make my point for me. Here we go. He's, he, so he's showing me a piece. Biden Pentagon orders military chaplains to bless putting male sh- soldiers in female showers and bed. Yeah. yeah. Does that sound normal to you? Does that sound normal to you? All right, turn around for a second. You know what's funny? Years ago, and I'm about to interview him. Years yeah. ago, I, I, you know, uh, W, it was the WT up here at WML. The host was, the host was on and they're talking about, you know, gays in the military. Right. And, and I made the point about showering together. And I said, we wouldn't have a situation in which we would have co-ed showering and, and the host, oh, that'll never, never happen. This is a, this is a, this is, you know, a ridiculous example. It's one of those areas. Jerry's usually well ahead of the field on this. I was, I was well ahead of the field on this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's not just the military, right? I, I said this to Andrew. No, no. I, we have a doctor shortage. Right. We have a teacher shortage. We have a, a shortage in our military. Right. Uh, again, it seems to me that Americans are starting to wake up and they're, they're so-called betters. You're yes. no good. You're privileged. You're, right. you're, you can't get past your own racism. And what are we doing? A lot of Americans are dropping out. Right. Little businesses, church communities. And, and it worries me because we're leaving the field uh, for the enemy. Well, a recent example of this is Merrick Garland's testimony. Uh, Ted Cruz did a brilliant job of bringing up all the failures. But he asked he answered him honestly, he said, yeah. well, my job is to make equity decisions, not oh equality. He this said it. Wow. Garland said that in his testimony. So he's telling you what he's doing. Yes. And this is this is happening from the top down. Yeah. The policy is. To go woke and go broke—that's what they that's want. A, you know what? You know what's going to happen when they they go broke? Build back better, or build, build, build back, back better. But this, but this, but they're real for, for our listeners. Uh, we're moving toward China taking Taiwan. Yes, we're moving towards our enemies uh, aggressively advancing. It is like the 1970s again. Right. I think it's like 1910 because I think we have all the, sep- the conditions of of overlapping and conflicting interests of all these nations creating the same conditions as as before world war one because in a lot of the same players when you think about it especially in europe so the conditions are ripe for miscalculation overestimation of strength underestimation of of potential danger and it makes a very dangerous brew of potential conditions for world war three tony i sat down earlier this week to talk to paul post who's a professor of international relations at the university of chicago Talking about and, and we're talking about the war in uh, the war in Ukraine, the Ukrainian right. war at, at year one. And and Paul made the statement that things have settled into essentially like and again, it's sort of ginning off what we're talking about here, uh, very similar to the conditions at the stalemate stage of World War One, that sort of the 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 boundaries have hardened and now it's just, you know, yards and folks have have hardened. Now, the way that we were that 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 the West broke through and it's not really because it was Europe. But the way that the uh, the good guys broke through, they were the out outflank, and the Yanks the are Americans came right. and did that and broke through. I don't see Americans putting troops on the ground. I don't think America has the 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 stomach for that. Right. If there is a stalemate that goes on for years, what breaks the stalemate? Well, I think I think the same thing Reagan did, and we don't have a Reagan right now. So Reagan yep. actually was seen by the Soviets as being crazy enough to go to war. Yes. As a matter of fact, he even joked on the air that the bombardment yes. starts. It's like he freaked so, them yes. out. Yes. And and so the, the last thing they wanted was a war they weren't prepared to fight. Right. They, right. And so we had made a doctrine based on airline battle. I was there. I was a lieutenant during those days. And as a matter of fact, I'm seeing Ed Meese here in a bit. We're going to be talking about grenades. Oh, I'll, be, I'll be talking to Meese. 
Ed Mason, God bless Ed if you're listening. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to be movie. So we're going to be talking about the very thing we're, yeah. we're you know in greater detail about Grenada. Grenada was Reagan saying, "I'm crazy enough to go do something you sure. don't like," and then backing it up because it was complete bluff, guile, and and pushing diplomatically the Russians to the brink of their failure to win the Cold War. So we need to go back to that. All right, right. we I, don't need a hot war to win. So 2014, I'm, I got to go back to this because I got to go over this ground. 2014. Uh, Crimea is taken. I write an op-ed. It was very controversial at the time. I got a lot of I got a lot of pushback from uh, some of the so-called you know Russia hawks on this. I suggested that we put U.S. troops on the ground, uh, modeling it after what we do in South Korea, what we did in Germany after World War II. Um, if we had had troops on the ground in Ukraine, in, in a, again the same kind of capacity right. as what we do in in South Korea, would Russia have invaded? No. Okay. No. No. Russia wouldn't have invaded no. Andrew. If There's we didn't, no stomach. Right. We didn't change right. policy. If right. We, right. If we if we didn't uh, uh, crawl out of Afghanistan, here's the here's my here's my most important question. Literally keeps keeps me up at night. I pray about this too, uh, because I'm not ready to give up yet. I have five kids. The de the DEI agenda is accelerating. I mean, in the last two or three years, things are happening that. You and I, 10 years ago, would say never. It right. would never happen. Yeah. If we win, Republicans are a conservative wins in 2024. And there's a there's a uh, there's a majority in the House and maybe a slim majority in the Senate. And you have 26, 27 state governors. Can we push this back or is it too embedded in corporate in corporate America, in Hollywood, in the military? How do we get it out of the military? Well, um, look, I. Yesterday spoke to members of the military who are still devoted to their oath of office in the Constitution. So they're still there. They're having to lay low because they know what's going on. There's a witch hunt. Just, I know. just saying. Right. And I know I know Lloyd Austin. I know Mark Milley. And they're in it as as woke members of the military first and uh, devotees of the Constitution and their oath of office second. It's just wow. the way it is. So, yeah. But there's people there still wow. good. Hollywood, same thing. Uh, I, I know a number of conservatives I'm in contact with. I just mentioned Adam Baldwin. Yes. Adam's great. I love Adam. And he, he's finally coming out of his shell. So I think there's, there's there's folks there, but they're kind of suppressed as well. And to your point, the government, Trump, I hope, or DeSantis, whoever wins, right, must have must learn a lesson Trump failed to learn, which is fire everybody. Yeah, get them all out. Don't keep anybody in. And secondly, gain control of the bureaucratic yes. budgetary process, because if you don't, the federal bureaucracies, which are woke, will continue to do whatever they can to undermine your policies, yes. and you're paying for it. Yes. I, all right. I, you're right. I just had a conversation with somebody. And I can continue to be. Yes. Yes. All right. You got to do the fight. So, all right. The military, I like I like the, 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 the Department of Defense doubling down on the vaccine mandate for yes. for for service members that was really a proxy for getting rid of service members who were it conservative. was okay. i was actually talking to an assistant undersecretary yes. of defense last night who yeah. served and he refused to take it and he was during during the early days of this and a lot of folks recognized that it was experimental right and a lot of it by the way a lot of, we uh, there was something called the anthrax vaccine I, I was we were trying to force us to yes. do back in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, and I was like, I, we wouldn't do it. Like, when I'm not taking it. I, there's no anthrax. I don't need it. I'm you know, not yes. going to take it. Speak a little bit too, again, because the, the military is not hitting its numbers. Is you served in Vietnam? Your son served in the first uh, 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 Gulf War. Your grandson served in I in Iraq. 
your 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 other son now serves uh, 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 in the military. But you know what? We don't want you anymore. Yeah. The the yeah. the uh, the the that warrior, mostly rural, right. mostly from the south. Seventy five percent of correct me if I'm wrong, but seventy five percent of casualties uh, in Iraq and Iran uh, were from r- rural Americans. Right. Yes. And 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 minorities. And and but so then throw the word equity out. Now what they're trying to do is those warriors, because they're warriors, they're pushing them out of the military. Yeah, right. So um, I've told this story before on the air. I, they may have been done with you guys before. My sure. favorite, my favorite general ever was a guy named Bob Harding. Bob was a six foot four black guy. Yes. And Bob just was the general's general. <laughs> he just knew how to be a general, knew how to make decisions. Awesome. And I loved him to death. Sure. And he promoted me ahead of others within Defense Intelligence Service, DIA. Not because I was black, because I, I was yeah. doing what he asked me to do. So we we were a great team. And that's the way we used to work as a military. Set aside color, all these other things. It's we're all focused. about meritocracy. It's all about Our meritocracy. Yes. So the moment you remove that, you, you make all these other right. And, and, right. Uh, estimations of what's sure. equitable. Oh, by, by the way, who's supposed to judge what's equitable exactly and anyway? So that's the thing. It's, it, yes, it's, it's, it's exactly. amorphous and fluid. All right, we get here, but he just no, no, so I got a curveball. I got to throw a Tony. So I know you got to go. What you said was we're undoing meritocracy. It's done, undone. It, yes. it is undone. It was going out when I retired in 2011. It was already out the door. All right, I got fired one time because I want I was going to be in a ceremony to reactivate one of Patton's divisions, and because I wasn't a certain skin color, I was removed from the ceremony wow. and replaced by a minority. Just saying that I've that wow. yes. So okay, I got to throw a curveball at you. Are okay. you still a Tricare beneficiary? I am. Okay. I am retired and still on on that program. Have you had to re-register in your electronic health record doing the new system Genesis? Not, no, I have not. Get a phone call from my daughter. My my younger daughter about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. She calls me up on a Sunday night. She says, "Dad, I have to change my primary care provider because um, he retired, and I'm going through to register for this Genesis electronic health record, the new." combined VA system that they've implemented. I'm logging in. They're asking me for my credit card information. I said, well, honey, that clearly there's something wrong there. Yeah. You know, you don't need a credit card. I'm like, I think you're being you're, you're fishing. I think your information is being fished. She goes, no, no, no. I mean, we go. We actually get into an argument about this. Turns out she was right. I oh, go yeah. on and I pull up uh, the, the, the literally the website of the McDonald Army Health Clinic at Fort Eustis. And on their website, it says, not only do you might have to enter this credit card information, but if you want to be a part of MHS Genesis, you have to submit to a soft credit inquiry on your credit report. Now, it doesn't deny you benefits, but you have to, they are mandating That's information they shouldn't have. That's right. And yet nobody seems to know about this, Tony. I can't find somebody. I can't get a number at DHA. I, I don't, and I've looked through every report that they filed with Congress. I don't think anybody in Congress knows about this. And yet, if you want to get access electronically to the services that you have earned, you have to get a credit check. I don't know how that's even. I don't think it's legal. It is not. Okay. No. no. So who do I talk to about? Well, this? I don't know. I'll do some research because I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. I'll have to check into it. But no, Andrew, they've had this effort to move and map individuals. Remember, they did something called human terrain modeling back against the Afghan tribes. Basically, right. they're supposed to go out. They're doing that against us now. They've taken that data. Wow. And they're trying to map the terrain of politics with the United States, which I find is illegal as well. Was this the plot point in uh, in Captain America: Winter Soldier? This is Project Insight. 
Yes. We're creating all of these targets. Is there protesting going anyway, on behind you me? You have to keep up the good work, Tony. I don't know. Thank you. Right. Thank no, you. I always enjoy being with you guys. It's great. Yeah. We got to do it. Got to do it more often. Tony, right. thank, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Tony Shaver. See you soon. Center and, and all of the great things you're doing. Project Sentinel and, and, and Newsmax and this show. And oh, my God, man. Wow. I'm tired, dude. You tired or you did you have you not gotten your second win? I'm always here. Lean into your microphone so we can hear you. I'm always the same. Always the same. Yeah. Never changes. I'm always a little bit. I'm like the Hulk. You know, it's not it's not I have to it's not that I have to get mad or get angry. You're always angry. Always angry. You're always angry. Yes. Bongos. What's your secret? Bongos. That's that's that that's that. You know, it's just it's one of these things. This is the benefit of coming here. What? As we have talked about. Because you get the, the you get to learn you get to see old friends and you get to learn what they're up to and you have these these small conversations with people whether or not they're on the air or they off the air. I, I will tell you something. I just had a conversation with somebody, Jerry, randomly. I'm sitting here. I'm trying to you know, start to get the prep work for the show. Someone who like Tony comes out of that intelligence establishment, um, and who is talking about the vaccine mandate and the issue of that they are sweeping post-vaccine injuries under the rug right they don't want to cover it they don't and, and this is this is something that she's that she's Look, working dr, on. dr. marty uh mccary uh, yes who's a john hopkins a physician researcher uh testified recently before congress and he went through all of the mistakes untruths half-truths put out by the cdc and the public health community and one that I can't get over, and I thank God that I thank God that we did not get Liam uh, vaxxed. Oh, yeah, there okay. is there is very oh, serious. For a second, guys, this is not a story to gloss over. Jerry and his family went through a, a huge amount of mental gymnastics and prayer and thoughts about this issue as to whether or not they were going to get their youngest son vaxxed, whether or not it was necessary. And and and, 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 and frankly, who, who tipped me on it was Eric Hargan, right. our friend and, and former uh, HHS secretary and uh, deputy secretary. He said, Jerry, look, he said, the science is your son, uh, uh, the COVID is not a pandemic impacting uh, that age right. group. Right. And so therefore, if you're uncomfortable, the science says don't do it. Right. And so therefore, but if you, but however, if you want to, it looks like it's safe to do so also. But yep. we're finding out now that it that there is this heart condition. Right. That, again, they're sweeping under the rug. There is. And a, I don't want to be a conspiracy person. No, I know. But how conspiracies start is when 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 people notice and they see what's happening. Absolutely. true. Uh, inflation's at seven percent. Eggs are X amount. Gas? No, the economy is great. Jerry, it's cognitive. It's called cognitive dissonance. Right. And 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 humans have a capacity for this. Listen, Jerry, okay. Time for time for you. Want to know? You want to know ph physiologically how this works, Jerry? Tell me. All right. You ever play a video game with virtual reality or some game where you're moving around in the game? Yes. And you get seasick oh, yeah, by sure. doing it, or or you know you watch motion a video camera, you get motion sickness. Right. Why is that? Because your eye is processing information that you're moving around in a certain way, but your inner ear is not reacting to you. your inner ear is not moving around. This is how it's cognitive. This is how the president of the stage can get to go to the podium and say that he's the he's the biggest deficit hawk in history. <laughs> he said that. I know, but he probably believes it. And again, I, I, I you know, I'm this... glad Tony stopped in. I, folks, the number one challenge to your freedom to 
uh, to the success of your children moving forward, uh, uh, to, to, to all these things we care about, from education to taxes, to faith, to community, to jobs, et cetera. Uh, this woke agenda, this diversity, equity, inclusion, this is the threat. We are undoing, we are undoing meritocracy. And in, in so doing so, we're undoing, you know, we're undoing America. You know, Paul Teller came on earlier and, 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 he, and he was talking about ESG. And we spent a lot of time talking about which, diversity, which, which uh, is just woke investing. Well, yeah, is, yes, this is my this right. is the point that I'm making here is that the, 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 the two go hand in hand, that diversity, equity and inclusion is an organ is, is a social organization tool. And it's a tool for control and it's a tool for division. But the ESG part, and again, it has nothing to do with reality. In fact, it creates harm. ESG, and listen, I'm going to say this. I, I never remember what E, S, and G stand for, but it is about it is about applying those mob. Jerry's looking it up right now, thankfully. It is about, what was that? Environmental, environmental social social governance. Yes. Uh, James just that, said it. That's, that's why James is here. And so, you know, there would be that moment where I would be saying this, James would be listening to the podcast, and he would be yelling at his headphones or his speaker. It's, yeah, it's, it's Environmental, that. Uh, social, and governance. Yeah. And so the point is, is that, it, again, it's the disconnect between the wants, the desires, and the reality of outcomes. That what they want to do is they want to take your money in these social experimentations right. that fail, and they want to take it for everybody. Essentially, they want to compromise on on the on everybody's earnings to uh, to enact some kind of nebulous so again, this goal. E this equity agenda, whether it's climate change, whether it's public education, whether whether it's taxes, budgets, etc., it's everywhere. The president just signed what a, a week ago uh, a, a diversity, equity, inclusion uh, executive order right. that essentially just has the government uh, begin to push this in a way that we've never seen before. Right. At the end of the day, at the end of our podcast, at the end of all of this, it bothers me that the Michael Steeles or the Jonah Goldbergs or the David Frenches, you you don't talk about right? I uh, get it. I the, get it. The Bill Crystals, all the rest, instead of working to make things, this better, is the key point. Instead of even having a good faith argument, instead it's about name calling. It's about grifting. It's about it's about your own personal right. bottom line. Again, it is and a shame. It on is them. a is a it is about demonizing a people you don't like, um, who are who are just reacting to the cognitive dissonance of the world and not defending the principles upon which you're supposed to be defending because you don't like the guys who are defending it. Do you want to sit for a quick second? Yeah. And here's the this thing. Is, too, this is, yeah. So so we we know we're we're winding down. But here, yeah. Just say this real quick before we get, our guest comes on. Yes. Uh, and that's why CPAC's important. Yes, absolutely. Because we have to be expanding conversations and, and all the rest of it. Yes. Manny, sit down. Join us here. I got to pot up your microphone again. Hold on for one second. There we go. Good, good. This is Manny Rosales. He's with the Job Creators Network. Oh, yeah. Your, I, I'm not on my glasses on, so I'm not going to read your title. But Manny and I have known each other forever. Network. National Coalitions Director. National, of course, he's the national. I should have. I should have. You should have known that, right? Yes, I should have. I have. So Manny, Manny has been around in the small business community for a number of years. For a number of years, but this is your. So we just had on Donna Jackson from Project Twenty One, who's okay. talking about uh, 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 African American entrepreneurship, especially amongst African American women. Sure. I mean, the lead, job lead, lead, leading leading group of entrepreneurs in America today is African American women. 
I went to the. Well, I don't know about that, but they're definitely up there. But uh, Nanny might might also come back and say because I had heard for many many years that it was Latina women. Absolutely, thirty percent of all Hispanic new businesses are Latina women. There you go. Yeah, it's very large. But what I, what I the women are taking over. I well, they always have. Come on, man. we just have to. I got enough to go to your launch event up uh, at the Capitol Hill Club a few months back. Yes. What I loved about that event was it, it is it is talking about real stories, real entrepreneurs. I was talking to a couple of folks who are involved, a young woman who's a Native American, and talking yes. about issues like Jerry. I didn't realize it. I never thought about this. You know, if you're a small, if you're an entrepreneur and you're not a Native American and you live in in the rest of America, right? You can borrow, right? You can borrow against the value if you own your own home. You can borrow against the value of your home to in order to 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 support your business. But because you don't own your own property on a on a Native American reservation, right. you can't get a mortgage, so you can't borrow. It's fascinating. No, no, it's really that was crazy. Yeah, that was wild. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, that was our launch of the uh, American Prosperity Act for small it, business. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, it wasn't the launch of the organization. It right, right, right. Business. And it's definitely you know supporting small businesses by advocating and also by hopefully eliminating a lot of the barriers sure. that they have to jump over. Talk about the barriers. You know, we we just we were literally again talking to Donna, a colleague of of of, of ours was on the radio. Jerry called me very irate um because this person <laughs> was 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 he made the statement that it that that minimum wage, increase in wage didn't matter because big businesses needed to needed to uh, uh pay more and small businesses don't create jobs. Oh, come on. Small yeah, businesses, yes. the economy. They create all kinds of jobs. It's the backbone of the economy. Yes. 80% of employers are small businesses. You know, what's interesting yeah. about, about small businesses is, is that the left has academia. They have, uh, they have Hollywood. They have the big corporations. They have, unfortunately, now they have the military. Right. Uh, two yep. things they don't have yet. Small businesses right. and the church. Absolutely. That's it. That's it. Right. That's it. That's it. Be, be careful. Some of the churches are leaving. Yeah, right, you know, right. you know? Going down that road. Yeah, going down that road. Leftists tried to do, you know, a variety of of of, of issues. Now, many because you used to be at the SBA, and I yes. was to talk about this. The two approaches to small business help. It, it, when Jerry called me, I said to Jerry, I, "That's that astounds me that this person said this because traditionally, right, the the dichotomy between right and left has been the right feels that the best way to help small business is to get out of the way." Totally, right? totally. And the left has always been, it's always been about capital formation. And so right. like they turn the Office of Advocacy into a capital formation research right, center. Right, anyway, right. go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Small businesses yeah. have a challenge. Yes. And one of the challenges is they don't know what they don't know. Right. And this is one of the reasons JCN's out there is to educate and inform. Yes. And at the same time, to advocate and go to the Hill and say, look, you guys got to get rid of all of these barriers 100%. that are basically, you know, not allowing these guys to grow and prosper. You're talking about taxation. You're talking about regulations, red tape, uh, lack of uh, access to capital, access to capital no, contracting. Sure. I'm going to I'm going to admit this on you. So I got I got uh, uh, you know I got trolls on social media. Um, I got one guy who who really tries to get under my skin. Uh-oh. Uh oh. He's a Hollywood producer. Well, that's and kind and, of and tells he, it all. Yes, yes, <laughs> it does. But one of the things was he was sort of harping about me. He was like trying to egg me to post some of my congressional testimony. I was like, you know, something like this guy can Google this. I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. On the other hand, I will say that I did go and I read through, for instance, my my uh, a paperwork reduction act at, at 20 at, at age 25 testimony wow. a few years ago. Um, I, and I recently reread this and the, the same problems 
exist today. Absolutely. I mean, the issues of red tape and, and small business owners doing all of this work themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of what you guys are doing. At oh, GCM. absolutely. And yeah. a lot of people don't understand disproportionately small businesses are minority businesses. Yes, that's right. Well, especially, that's saying, yeah. especially when you're talking about immigrants, because, you know, they don't know sure. the systems. They don't know the, the know who's and the normal. So what they do is they go to work right? and they create jobs. Yes. And that's, the, you know, the small businesses. That's why it's women owned businesses in the Latino right. community are growing so fast. Yep. Yes. And yeah, this is a good this is a good messaging point for Republicans. And that is, you know, we understand the backbone of this country is the small business. Absolutely. Owner, right? and, and, mom and pops and the mom and, and think about yeah. COVID. Yes. Who shut down during COVID. Oh, my God. Yeah. They, they oh, got hit hard. Big box stores stayed open. The banks yep. made money. Absolutely. Because, the GOP hasn't been able to turn that that narrative, that that true narrative, into a selling point uh, for African American women, for Hispanic uh, women, uh, for new immigrants. Absolutely, because, because the story the story is they have allies on the right, and they have those who want to oversee them and regulate them on the left. Oh, absolutely. I mean, small businesses is where it's at, and if they don't have a group like JCN out there advocating right. for you. Because they're not organized that way. By the way, I mean they could belong sure. to a chamber, but sometimes right. the chambers, you know, right? They kind of go left a little right. bit, or, or they're or they're they get captured by the bigger businesses. The bigger businesses, so, you know. Sure. Thank God, that, absolutely. That, thank God that the U.S. Chamber has our good friend Tom Sullivan over absolutely. there. Absolutely, he's a great guy. Fight the hard work fighting for for small businesses. Yeah, absolutely. There's this new group out of Iowa, which is the Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce, right, right, right. B. But I'm so glad you guys are doing the work. No, and absolutely. How do folks find out more about the JCF? Well, they can go to our website, you know, the jobcreatorsnetwork.com and right. find out what we're doing. And also check out the uh, American Prosperity Plan. Yes. And make sure you hold not only the federal government accountable, but also your local government. Here, here. Yeah, because they also put up barriers you know, themselves. You know, hold on. Before I let you go, real quick. I, so I gave a presentation on regulation the other night. And it was great. You know, it was uh, talking about getting folks more activated in regulation, going through regulations.gov. Right. And the first question I got was a woman talking about local red tape, specifically about preventing clothes, people from putting up clotheslines in their backyard. Are you kidding? No, me? I mean, listen, people, listen, people get upset about the things that, that it, oh, uh, all politics, right? What did Newt Gingrich say? All politics is personal. All people politics get, is yeah, personal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. politics is local. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That was, that was Tip O'Neill. Tip yes. O'Neill. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you, Andy. Man, keep up the good work. All right. Appreciate and, it, sir. You know, keep, Always. keep the message out there. Max. Right. Can he? Ah, no worries. All right. There we go. That all was right. Matt Schlapp, that, though. That was Matt who just walked by. Right, Matt. And, and we're going we're gonna to miss Matt because we got to wind this. We got to wind this down because there's somebody coming in. Gerald. CPAC, man. Every CPAC is different. Yeah, the CPAC was really different. For me, I love CPAC. For me, this Manny gave me my second win. Hey, for you, and you got to lean and talk to the microphone. I'm to get a picture. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, no, talk, talk to the microphone, Jerry. You're making a comment. What do you uh, want me to keep talking? The, my point is, is yes. that CPAC this year has been has been excellent because because of right. some of the extracurricular connections. Absolutely. I found out some things about what some of our friend our, our, our friends are doing that encourage Manny, I get discouraged. Oh, yes. I, because I, I, I'm sick of Jared is very much in the mold of our old boss and mentor Fred Smith, who wrote a column called The Despairing Optimist. I'm getting sick and tired of losing all the time. But then you come here and you hear about what you're doing. Right. We're here you hear what Heritage is doing. Right. You hear what uh what Tony Schaefer's doing. And then and on and on. Oh yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what? 
there's still there's a remnant. But yeah. doesn't it? But Jerry, doesn't it point out that that we need greater coordination yes, and discussion, which is something that Jerry Absolutely. and I have been talking about quite a bit. That one of the groups last night, they were, uh, they were, they were, they had built a fifty-member organization, a coalition to work on uh, getting transition ready for, for the yeah. future. Now that was very encouraging. Yes, it was good stuff. Because we don't do that. All right, Manny, thank, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, guys. Keep up so, the good work. So yeah, is that you're right? Car, that's Listen, as I car. say, and I and I and I borrow this from Charles Dickens, right? Um, um, you know, it, Charles Dickens said, you know, that you carry you carry the spirit of Christmas with you all year round. You know, for me, it's it's not found. The spirit of CPAC isn't necessarily found in the ballrooms or even in the breakout sessions, but it's in the hundreds of different conversations that you have with, you know, sometimes with random people, sometimes reconnecting with old friends. To be honest, they're the wackadoos. Yes. Well, well that, that's but that's again like it's a Comic Con or a sci fi convention because the there's cosplay. Well, here's the, I'll say this about the wackadoos they're the ones who do phone banks. That's right. They're the ones who go door to door. Amen. They're the ones who, who stuff envelopes. They're the volunteers. We had on Michael Watley talk right. about the thousands of volunteers. Right. Well, those are the ones wearing the funny hats and the costumes and, and all the rest of it. Got it. And so, so, but the point is the movement, the conservative movement, thank you, in order to change America. In order to uh, bring a revival, so to speak, we need everybody. Right. We need the Matt Schlapp. We need the Wackadoo. We need the Ben Carson, and we need the Nikki Haley. We need them all. We do. Yeah. Right. And we have to. And that's right. We have to support these folks, regardless of if our number one choice wins. Jerry, how do folks say you're on on Sunday? Oh yes, yeah. Sunday. It Sunday be- it's Sherry. Yeah. Seven a.m. to ten p.m. No, seven. That'd be a long show. You know. Yes. Seven to ten a.m. But here's the thing about my. About my show, you can pod, it's podcasted. So go to WBAL.com, go to podcast, go to Jerry Rogers show, listen to all my shows. Uh, and then, of course, go to Real Clear Policy, go to Real Clear Health. Uh, if you want to know what's going on in the world of ideas, that's where you go. Listen, that's where you go. Real clear. And I'm going to say this now. If it's Monday, it must be Andrew. New episodes of yes. uh, the, the Lunch Hour with Federal Newswire drop every Monday uh, this Monday, we got Phil Magnus from the uh, American Institute for He's Economic excellent, Research. Excellent. He is great. Uh, and then the following week, we're going to bring on this uh, Paul Post interview from the University of Chicago uh, to talk about uh, the one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Jerry, what do you want folks to do? Find the truth. Plant your feet. Stand firm. Have a you. great week, everybody. Have fun, especially if you're at CPAC. And please stay safe.